0: Welcome to the show. We're uh, glad to be here uh, for a mall life, and uh, I'm back to 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 raise Kane here, so to speak. And I'm Dave, and I'm Don. And we're just grateful to get back to talking shopping centers and shopping center business. And uh, this week, we've got a special guest uh, coming with us. And uh, I thought we'd take a moment to explain uh, some of, just for our listeners, some of the classifications of shopping centers. Because we talk a lot about, you know, super regional enclosed shopping centers, which means it's a fully built out mall, has a roof over it, it, it encompasses a large trade area. And then you have regional or community enclosed centers, which are, again, smaller malls, um, lifestyle centers, mixed use centers which mixed use you tend to have hotel or office or residential as part of retail. Um, and then you have, uh, what are some of the other ones that you you've remember?
1: Well, I've had some small strip centers in my life. I mean, really small grocery store anchored and three or four other tenants uh, in some cases. Um, I think some of the more interesting ones are the ones that, uh, I, it was several companies ago, but we bought them from the developer who built them to sell. And uh, once you buy them, then you find out interesting things like they rolled up all the FF&E and the first round of inventory in the rent. And uh, <laughs> so they really didn't work too well when, uh, when rent renewal came back up because the rent was inflated.
0: Yeah, and so we got a lot of different styles, and and uh, and so as you as you kind of go through, and when you're in your shopping experience, you're looking at uh, what what is the customer experience. You know, lifestyle is much more enjoyable from a walking path, kind of how you would live your life, and be that Instagram model, and and, and different pieces. In fact, uh, our guest today, I was uh, over a center uh, and. And unbeknownst to me, uh, but as I was walking the center, when they grand opened this center, they had all the mall and the Crunch Crew teams put on their uh, put their name on a brick, and so then they would. I believe it was part of a donation piece, which hopefully our guests can elaborate on. But. Um, But as part of the bricks, they put their names on there. And so I'm walking around here as I'm getting this new center and I'm walking around and I'm looking at these and I'm going like, who's this? Who's this? Who's this? And the ops manager who had been there for a long time was like, oh, that's this and that's this and that's this person. Have you ever heard of that person? And and so I'm really pleased uh, because uh, that's our connection to this guest. And I think you knew him long before I joined. But uh, but, uh, I'd like to welcome Mickey to the show. Mickey, glad to have you.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. This is... uh show I've been listening to since episode one, and I'm excited to be, I think, your third guest on yeah. this one. Yeah, we're, we're super excited to have you. And and it was fun to see
0: your name emblazoned. I'm going to just say the name of the property because we sold it a while ago, but <laughs> La Encantada in Tucson. I remember walking it, and it's a gorgeous property, nice little luxury property, and I saw your name emblazoned on there. And uh, then I started hearing stories of you, which was like, you know, the legend lives on. And so <laughs> I'm, excited to, I'm excited to hear things. Uh, tell us, Mickey, how'd you get in the business? How'd you kind of come up in it? And maybe a little bit about La Encantada two for fun,
2: yeah, absolutely, and uh, that that is a property that has a very special place that I'll I'll mention here. So um, I got into the business about 20 years ago, and um, I was uh, as a kid, like many kids are, interested in law enforcement, and went to school for criminal justice, and found myself uh, just out of school looking for a job, and uh, took an ad in uh, or went uh, saw an ad and went into a job fair and got a job as a security dispatcher working the midnight shift, uh, at a mall. Uh, and that mall happens to be the same one that you're at now. And so started,
0: started working
2: there and, uh, kind of was doing my thing and ultimately had, um, somebody that took an interest in me and, uh, gave me the opportunities that I have today to kind of, to learn and grow as I went. And, um, it was from that point that I went to the general manager of the mall and I said, Hey, I would love to just, understand what it is that you do and uh, would love to take you out to lunch and do that. Now I'm a, you know, 20 something year old, uh, you know, guy making, you know, some menial salary compared to this guy. Uh, And he said, yes. And so uh, sat down and and chatted for a long period of time and just got to know just what it meant to be the general manager of a shopping center. So fast forward a few months and I found myself uh, down in Tucson at Lawn Cantata and uh actually w- met my wife there she was uh, somebody that was also working at that oh, wow. property and uh we share bricks next to each other in that courtyard and so it is uh it is a has a very special place in my heart and so uh it is one of those things that you just you never really know where the the business is going to take you uh f- and you know found myself in tucson and then just kind of kept saying yes to opportunities. And so uh, over time, made my way out of security into the property management realm uh, and did that for uh, an extended period of time, moved around the country a number of places from Arizona to California uh, and out to the East Coast and then took on a role in asset management. And uh, today I work on the technology side.
0: That is awesome. I mean, that's, that's soup to nuts. I mean, you started in security and then now you're doing the IT side. I mean, that's... That's that's incredible. That's
1: well. That's awesome. when, when you were working security, did they give you a pearl handled thirty eight with no uh, uh,
2: training? They, they 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 did not give those out at the time. Uh, the 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 standard issue equipment was uh, was basically a pen and a notepad, <laughs> uh, which is how security should be, right? It's I, uh, observe oh, and I, report, I, and make sure that you're taking copious notes as you go.
1: I was hiring a security manager one time, and he was a retired cop, and I said, you know. Why would I want a retired cop? Because you know, this is more customer service than police work. And he said, All I have to all I need to be the greatest security manager you ever had is a quarter. And I said, four. And he said, the payphone. So I can call and give the police a wonderful description and which way they were heading when they <laughs> left the mall. And that that's that's all I'll need. And I thought, that's a great answer, buddy. And he was a great security manager.
0: No, that's that's awesome. So, Mickey, so you've, you've had all kinds, of, I mean, you, I, I, think, I think that's one of the benefits of this, uh, of this career and getting into it is that you, you're, you're, you're basically saying, you know, if you say yes to opportunities, it takes you places. You can go all around the country, and, and as, you, as you've demonstrated, east coast, west coast, and back, um, So, what, what, what were kind of some of the um, different property types that you oversaw in the different ones? Because Longata is obviously a lifestyle center, but what are some of the other ones you kind of saw?
2: Yeah, and mixed use uh, kind of became the 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 shopping center type that I really started to to gain a good expertise in. And yeah, I started in malls as I mentioned, and it was this opportunity uh, that came about. Uh, I think it was two thousand six, two thousand seven timeframe, and uh, it was a mixed use property. Uh, you know, relatively small, three hundred thousand square feet of retail, hundred thousand plus of office up above, had some condos, but it also had a resort next door, and so getting to understand the mixed use side of the business uh was really enlightening for me and at that time you know, not a lot of malls had been built uh, in the recent years. And so I thought, well, I should, you know, maybe give this a try. Um, and, and honestly, I said, said yes uh, to uh, only one move at that point. And uh, I was at a point where I needed to figure out what I was going to do next. And so say yes to this property. And that was really the springboard for me that, that, that kind of launched the next. But um, so, yeah, I, I spent quite a bit of time on mixed use sites and uh, got to know all sorts of different businesses as a result of that. You know, you guys have talked on on the previous shows about, you know, understanding retailers and kind of what it means to be uh, with with previous guests as well, what a a department store manager will do and and how that business functions. Restaurants are a completely separate type of business that you have to understand. And just because you've got a certain cost of occupancy or that percentage ratio of sales to costs, uh, you know, that work for one type don't work for another. But there's other types of businesses. What is the office world like? And I, you know, that was that was a very different thing to learn as was residential uh, i knew nothing about uh, multifamily residential before uh, i took a, a role um, i learned all about hotel uh, the hotel business and and how that functions and and kind of everything in between and when it comes down to it there's just so much dynamism and, uh, you know, excitement that goes along with all of these different types of properties. And you, you have to kind of find your way through to understand how you can fit in best. And, uh, you know, there are certain things that I know that, uh, at at the time, you know, I think back on, I say boy, I really didn't do that right because I was either naive or I didn't know what was going on, but you just, you kind of make your best, uh, you know, you take all the information that you can make the best decision and, uh, hopefully it all works out. And generally it does.
0: No, that's uh, that's awesome.
1: Well, it was interesting when you were talking about how you got started and you started in security and then moved through and talked to the manager. You know, I think a lot of us, uh, there had to be that first person that took the chance with us. Uh, I happened to see my mentor uh, last week. Again, the lady that 40-some years ago gave me a shot. And uh, it's just great sitting there talking to her. And, and I, I can't, can't tell you how many times I've thanked her, but it hasn't been enough because without her giving me that uh, start, and uh, my wife showed me something on Facebook the other day about someone that used to work at the mall where I, uh, where I was, and uh, she was talking about j- all the opportunities that came about from that one job. And uh, it, this is a people business, and I know you know it's referred to as bricks and mortar, but when it's all said and done, uh, bricks and mortars aren't that, mortar isn't that exciting, the people are. And it's the people that make, make it fun to go to work, it's the, one, it's the people that give us the challenges, not that buildings don't have their own sometimes. I've had a, I've had a uh, when uh, we were selling the center one morning, we had uh, the new owners there doing their inspection, and as the sun was coming up, we start getting calls about uh, roof leaks. And uh, we hadn't had that many roof leaks before, and as the sun continued to go up, we start getting more and more calls, and what we'd found was there had been a hard frost that night, it was a trocal roof, and it had shattered. So as the sun came up, it was melting. <laughs> And then the water was coming into the spaces. It was an interesting conversation for the for the people buying the mall when they were there the day that the roof failed. So uh, it was a, uh, adds, it, it adds was an exciting mix, time. For
0: sure. So Mickey, you you mentioned uh, that you got to do a mixed use property with a hotel, which uh, which I think is fairly unique in that a lot of times you have office, pretty simple. But like, what what some of the differences that happen to you when you when you get the hotel added into the mix?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think in general, when you you talk about mixed use properties, um, one of the things that you don't necessarily realize is that you're really talking about a city uh, in and of itself. And, um, you know, you've got the retailers that are there operating their businesses, you know, call it 10 a.m. to 9 p.m. You've got offices that are there from 8 a.m. till 5 p.m. And you've got people that are living there, sleeping there every night, whether it's in the, the apartments or in the hotel. And so you have very little time to work. And if there's one use that's doing something that uh, could potentially be impactful to the others, it, it's going to happen because they they don't all play together nicely. So uh, I do remember a, a Sunday afternoon um, is about noon and uh, the manager of the local pizza restaurant had uh, reached out to security. And they were complaining of feathers uh, falling from the sky and landing on the pizzas of the guests that were eating out on the patio. And so security responded and saw a number of feathers floating down from the sky and noted that they were coming from the hotel. And so they went and found the, the hotel manager and uh, went up to the room and, and you know had a key with them. And so they went in. And, and what they found was uh, there was a photo shoot going on uh, inside the hotel room. Copious amounts of feathers flying around as they had a fan and they were blowing these feathers around this hotel room, blasting Rick Astley's Never Gonna Give You Up in an extremely high volume <laughs> to kind of set the mood, you know, as you do uh, for, uh, for a photo shoot among feathers. And so, uh, as you can imagine, the uh, the guests were asked to leave, and uh, the patrons uh, were taken care of for their pizzas. But these are the kinds of things that just happen as you uh, as you have these different uses uh, next to each other.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. I'm never gonna make you. Cry.
1: So, did you ever see the video? Is what I'm gonna know.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, I did not see the video. Uh, although there were well, we had CCTVs are are kind of a GM's best friend, and I know not all. Shopping centers have them, but uh, boy, when you do, they are they are certainly helpful, and uh, the number of things that you catch on cameras are are pretty impressive.
1: Yeah, that made me think we had a mall one time where uh, they'd put down a new tile floor, and there were a lot of areas where uh, there was problem with the tile, and the tile had broken, and they had gone through and and put tape over all the broken area areas because it's not like you fix it immediately. There was actually a lawsuit involved with this, and but they'd made it safe and. They had a person come to the office one time and complain about uh, they were using a, a uh, cane that they had caught it in one of the one of the chips and they had fallen and we went back and looked at the CCTV and he had gone from space to space trying to get a piece of tile to come up and when he finally got one up he laid down next to it so there he was down for a second and then he got up and came in the office and you know what's great on that one. <clears throat> We just decided to show him the video immediately. It was like, you know, before we do this, can we just show you something here? And he left. But uh, without that, you would have been relying on what other people saw and what his word was. So, yeah, it's uh, well worth the money.
2: Yeah, but that's, the, uh, that's the, awesome. The things, the things that are caught uh, on the cameras are, are really amazing. And you, you talk about, you know, someone laying down. Um, when you go, go into a mixed use property, uh, especially when you've got restaurants and you've got late night establishments, the types of things that you catch on those cameras are, are pretty impressive.
0: Yeah, you know, I I remember we we got a, we had a news story come out uh, once where they were trying the news was trying to come after the center, and I'm pretty sure it was that we had we had called the police on one of the news anchors. We just didn't realize it was a news anchor. But he had gotten so drunk at one of our restaurants late at night that he, I believe he used one of the one of the technology storefronts has a urinal mm. so it was, uh, it was you know so so he he was embarrassed and was like they, he tried to just kind of come by and be like you're you're not doing charitable donations and he tried to come out away and we were like here's the receipts have a nice day <laughs> so it was just kind of kind of crazy did you uh well i mean obviously you've had plenty of shenanigans too cuz i mean the hotel tell us a couple of crazy overnight uh, shenanigans that you run into cuz i i bet you've got a doozy of a couple of them so,
2: So, yeah, I mean, if you if you think about anything that could happen in uh, in a property where tons of alcohol is being served all the time, uh, it's happened. It's been recorded. uh, We'll start with things like sleeping. People just find themselves maybe with a couple too many and decide to go to sleep on a toilet, in a bathroom, uh, at a bar. Um, on the sidewalk. Uh, we once had uh, somebody that we caught that had fallen asleep in the middle of a street in one of the properties. Uh, but my personal favorite was uh, somebody had climbed up in a tree and fallen asleep in one of the trees on the property. And our team had to very carefully uh, coax this person out of the tree after many drinks. It was, you know, two, three in the morning, something like that. But uh, there are uh, there are plenty of, of things that are unmentionable uh, on this show that have also been recorded. <laughs> Uh, As you can imagine, uh, people love to get romantic uh, when they have a few too many drinks. And, uh, folks, there are cameras in uh, our parking lots, uh, in apartments, you know, communities, uh, in the back hallways, uh, stairwells, elevators. Uh, The number of places that you have found, we have found uh, people uh, enjoying themselves and others is uh, pretty remarkable. (laughs)
0: That is truly remarkable.
1: (laughs) Uh, Talking about people sleeping, uh, we had a mall in New York where we had installed... uh, some shielding around some hydrogen uh, the the, uh, energy plants, you know, where you only produce water out of the natural gas and hydrogen and uh, create electricity. And we had walled them in. There was some noise to it, and so we had a nice fence around it. Uh, Some people came to the mall. Uh, There was three gentlemen in the car. One of them had been experimenting with mushrooms, as I understand it, and they left him in the car because he was in no shape to walk. So they went shopping. And uh, this guy got out of the car and decided on the second level of the parking lot to lay on the ledge and sleep because it was flat. It was cleaner than the asphalt. And uh, we got this call that they saw someone fall from it. And you really couldn't see it if you went by. And we went out, and this guy had fallen from the second <laughs> level and just fell down into the gravel. At the bottom. He was unhurt. But uh, it was a little tense there when uh, when you realize someone really had fallen from there. And my guess is, just as you've heard, drunk drivers that come through accidents okay because, you know, they were relaxed. relaxed yeah. Uh, this gentleman was relaxed when he hit the ground, but uh, uh, it could have been much much worse.
0: Yeah. What, what, what's one of your favorites, Mickey? What What's, what's one not, not necessarily Sleeping. I mean, I, I, I kind of want to know what, how tall the tree was that he was up. I mean, that's kind of you know, where, where I went with that one, but what's some of your.
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, uh, it's funny when you think about like all of the, I, I was, as we were, you know, I was getting ready to, to come and talk to you guys. I was thinking about all the different things that I've seen. And, um, you know, one of the, the ones that I, I remember stood out, uh, literally stood out was, Um, There was a woman one night walking with a group of of what appeared to be friends, but we came to find out that uh, they were uh, customers of hers. And um, she had a a very uh, decoratively painted shirt. I'm using air quotes on the term shirt painted on her upper body. Uh, basically, leaving her completely revealed, and um, was escorting this group of people from uh, from a vehicle to one of the establishments there that had turned turned into a kind of a late night dance club uh, after hours. And um, th- this group had contracted her services uh, to take them to that. And um, we, she said, "Oh, I've got uh, you know authorization uh, to do this. Uh, I've been you know approved by management to do this." Uh, and what she had, of course, was the approval of the business owner to be in the establishment, not of the property. So uh, we gave her a, a a towel, and she covered herself up and, and continued on until they made it to the establishment. But uh, the paint doesn't stay on, uh, if you know what I mean, all the time,
0: especially not when a, when, when dancing vigorously. So, so. That's, awesome. You, that's awesome.
1: you sound like you you know that from experience. Yeah. Well, that, you know, I may I may have painted a few yeah, parts, yeah. but mine was usually like
0: go team. Yeah. You know? yeah. So it was like, <laughs> Yep. That's awesome. Well, I've
1: heard stories that on some of these mixed use, and I've not had one where it was an issue, but uh, they were talking about um, you, you when it's a 24-hour oper- operation, meaning, you know, the, 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 the residents are sleeping at night. They really don't like to hear you cleaning the sidewalks. They don't like the fumes coming up if you're using gas. And so, um, you know, I've been lucky enough to be involved over the years of, of uh, being able to be on uh, – development teams, and we've talked about the need for electric and, you know, uh, controlling the noise. We uh, were looking at hotels, or excuse me, apartments one time, and the uh, load-in and and, uh, exiting of of tenants, how much time it takes, how much elevator time it takes, you know, where do they park the trucks, and, you you know, it's a a complex uh, dance to get all the pieces working and try to keep everybody happy.
2: It is. And if you look at, uh, again, going back to all the different business units and the time that they need to run their operations, you you truly have no time. I used to joke, I would say, you know, you've got five minutes a day to get your noisy work done. um, And it's not that far off. Um, It's usually, you know, 7 a.m. till 8 a.m. Like that is the period of time that kind of works for everybody. But if you think about it, if you're at a hotel and jackhammering starts, you know, outside the hotel at 7 a.m., You're you're not all that pleased. And if you're in an office and there's jackhammering going on at 7 a.m., you're an early arriver. You're probably not all that pleased. But when else are you going to do it? I mean, there's there's no other time to get some of this type of type of work done. And, you know, and it's it's the inconvenience, uh, but it's also the, um, you know, whatever the values are of that particular use as well. So if you look at the person who rents an apartment there that's a person's home. This is not just the place that they come to work. This is their home. This is where they live. They sleep. There's a different level uh, that they have there. So not only is it annoyances, but it's things like if you, you know, you're trying to keep the streets clean. And so you've got leaf blowers that go by and, you know, there's to your point, the gas uh, that that emanates from those, the environmental factors of that Um, out West where you've got water concerns, if you're trying to pressure wash to keep things clean, sometimes that is even if, quote unquote legal, that still is viewed as uh, an environmental thing where you're washing off the, you know, the runoff of vehicles and also using water in ways that people may not agree with. And so um, there there are a lot of different considerations and a lot of different complaints that come into the office if, when you've got these different uses.
0: Yeah, I mean, I remember, I remember, you know, just even like, um, you know, a couple of properties that, we, that we've we crossed over on, um, you know, it was uh, no, no deliveries before seven, no Um, no cleaning after 10 and then I remember um, even one one development when we were installing the the property you know it was a it was a dark dark sky ordinance and so even like you know having Tivoli lighting on in the common area between you know between stores as a decorative enhancement I had to run during very specific hours and you couldn't run a You know, and it's only so many times a year and only so many because even those things the neighbors had made sure when the development plans were done that those were impacted. Which, which you look at it and you're like, this is little festoon lighting, like, who cares? Like, it's not doing anything. But, but in those markets that have the dark sky ordinances, you know, I have a couple properties right now that have them still. That uh, it's the only place I've ever seen orange lighting at a property. I'm like, usually we want bright white, but not here, orange. Okay, so it's a it's an interesting. Um, kind of balance when you 're trying to look at how those how those properties interact i mean and the other thing is like you talked about the home, which is interesting because like it 's a different tenant when you 're dealing with the home right because it's th- it 's their house and I remember uh I had a six story apartment building um three like first ground ground level was retail two levels of parking and then three levels of high-end apartments and it was really great living I mean you could go down and have 17 restaurants a Trader Joe's I mean like it was good living in fact I think at one point we had a couple of members of the local NBA team live there the coach had lived there for a little bit like it was I think there was a uh, a low-level football player that had lived there for the you know because it was great living but uh we would get every Every time the barometric pressure would drop in the wintertime we'd actually we'd actually get these sewer complaints, and man, we racked our brain like we'd we'd clean out the gutters, clean out the downstairs, we'd check all the pipes to make sure there wasn't anything clogged up, all the vent lines, you know, and finally, after like It must have been a dozen times looking at this and getting complaints, and it would always dissipate. Once the barometric pressure went back up, it would be fine. And you'd go on the roof at the six stories, and you'd be smelling, you know, trying to get where's the sewer gas coming from, you know, where's the vent lines, and we'd find them and say, okay, here they are, great. And you could smell sewer gas. You're going, yep, they're working, great. Finally, we get enough complaints that we're like, I don't know. So we started tracing the lines, and it turns out that the builder, when they they developed the tower, had failed to put glue in, one, in, in a pipe on like four locations. And so as the building shook and aged, it actually came dislodged about four inches. And for the most part, it would be fine. So when it would go all the way up the vent line, a little bit would leak out, but no big deal. But when the barometric pressure changed, it would drop the pressure down to that vent gap. And so everything that should go to the roof went out at the fifth floor, <laughs> and it just went down the shafts back into everyone's apartments. So it's, it's, I mean, it's crazy to think about, like, we were searching the whole building, and it literally took my maintenance guy about two seconds, and he just went, and no more smell. <laughs> it's like
1: crazy. When you were talking about uh, cleaning, uh, I had a mall that uh, the closest houses were probably a half mile away. At 2 o'clock in the morning, I get a call at home, and uh, my number wasn't unlisted, but he said, Are you the, or he said, Is this so and so the manager of such and such a mall? And he called it the wrong name, but I played along with it because I, I, he, he just had the name of the city instead of the name of the mall. I said, I am. Um, he goes, Well, I can't sleep because your sweeper truck's out there. And, um, and like I said, it was, the closest home was about a half mile away. He was probably about three quarters of a mile away. And I said, Well, I didn't know that there was a problem. He said, I've complained before. The city hadn't done anything about it. So I'm calling you now. So I said I would look into it, and then after I hung up from him, I got up and I drove down there. Sure enough, the sweeper truck was out there sweeping. 2 o'clock in the morning is actually a great time to do it if you don't have restaurants or if they've closed by then because you can't really do it at 6 o'clock in the morning because people start parking, and you know you know the whole rigmarole there. So then I drove out to the guy's house, and I could not hear it. And I-15 ran through there, and I could hear all the road noise, and there's an amazing amount of road noise that goes through. And so uh, I got out of the car, and I didn't go into anyone's yard, but I'm trying to figure out, I mean, I'm, I'm really trying to see how this guy knew it. Well, the, the sweeper truck had a flashing light on it. And so he saw the flashing light, realized it was a sweeper truck, and I think decided that all the noise must have been coming from that. So we did stop sweeping at 2 o'clock in the morning for about a week, and then we just had him turn off the light when he swept, and we never had any more complaints. So sometimes it becomes a problem in people's minds and not, a, not an actual problem. But uh, he was.
2: I've got a good sweeper story for you. So the uh, the one thing that, that you rarely see, or the person you most rarely interact with, is that guy who's driving the sweeper truck. To your point, he's there in the middle of the night. He's doing a job that doesn't really take a whole lot of inspection. You look out and you go, "Yeah, lot looks good," and uh, and you move on and you pay the bill every month, and and so it is until you have a dust storm. And then you really know where that sweeper (laughs) truck is going. You can see every single trail that he's taking and every route that he's going on. And I got to tell you, the routes that they go on, generally pick up all that trash on the curb line but they are not sweeping every square inch of that that shopping center and and uh, we had a little chat with our driver uh, after we had that dust storm and he drove through because of course they didn't know it was dark when they were sweeping and so came back in and we could just see you know the trail that they went on and the vast majority of the lot i've left.
1: i've uh, we've had malls before where we had the sweeper truck and and uh, one saturday my my uh, driver was off and i said i'll just go down and sweep the truck so i took my oldest daughter then and we went down and I'm sweeping the lot. And I didn't start at two o'clock in the morning because, well, because. But I was probably start sweeping about five and about seven, uh, I saw an employee come in to park and walk in towards, walking towards the store to go into the store. And they did not park in the employee parking area. So I just pulled up alongside of them and I hadn't showered or anything. I just had a bogging on, it was cold. And I pulled up and I said, are you an employee of such and such a store? And they said, yes. So I said, you're not in an employee parking area. And he, she said, what are you going to do about it? And I said, well, I hope you just go move your car because you want to save the spots up front for that. And she sat there and argued with me. And I wanted to tell her, I've got chains in the back of this. I can drag it back over there. But once again, uh, you know, prudence your, came. Exercise some decorum. Yeah. So I went ahead and went into the, uh, just, just left it. And then Monday I made a mental note to call. So Monday, the, uh, the store manager and the employee came up to my office to complain about the the, the sweeper truck driver that, that told her to move her car and and said they were rude and stuff. And I said, you know, I happen to know this story intimately. And I said, I was a sweeper. And so uh, she moved the car, and, and we didn't have any more trouble after that. But I just love it when they don't know who you are, and uh, they sit there and try to argue with you, and it's, it's, it's just well, and you frustrating. You were
0: completely out of context. It was a very good Halloween yeah. costume. I mean, that was pretty good.
1: You know, when you were talking about having all those uses uh, – You've got to have some ver- some good vertical transportation stories, because that has been the bane of my existence almost everywhere. Um, they, they always go down at the most inopportune time. Uh, rarely are they fixed as quickly as you would hope they would be, and uh, it's, it didn't seem to get better over the years. I've been retired two years now, and I have to tell you, there's a couple things that I really don't miss. One is technology in the shopping centers, uh, and I don't mean that to be disrespectful, but... Uh, uh merchant wired uh, I mean I don't know if you ever dealt with that and then you know with some of the others it, there's challenges with uh, technology but uh, the vertical is is just a nightmare a lot of times
2: if you if you go into most shopping centers uh generally the people will interact with the the escalators elevators maybe every once in a while depends on you know if there are various phases in your life where elevators come into play it's when you've got young kids and as you age those are the two periods of time when most people find that elevators are are helpful and there's a whole swath of your life where you just don't get in an elevator unless you have to except when you've got those those you know I'll say high density uses and um there are, I, i've I've been on a project before that has had uh, elevators that have been very, um, you know, I'll say integrated into the building. So where you've got retail on the ground floor and hotel through some of the middle floors and, you know, homes up above and and condos up above and in the elevators uh, generally are segregated or separated out in a way that allows for the uses to not generally interact too much with each other until they do. And there are certain fire life safety requirements for elevators to allow people, should they need to, to get on or off at certain floors uh, in the event of an emergency. And so uh, th- this one project, I remember the the elevators were, they went literally all the way from the ground floor all the way up to the top of this building and passed through three different uses. And wouldn't you know, but uh, some mischievous kids found their way into these elevators and figured out how to ride them and get all the way up to the top of this building and uh, we're were found up there uh, a few hours later uh, having a, a pretty good party uh, where they had brought up a number of, you know, of course, as soon as you get up there, you start calling your yeah. friends and you're like, hey, I got up here. I'll come and let you up and, and we'll do all this stuff. And and so, uh, yeah, you've you've got uh, you've got those types of things. But, um, yeah, when you the other side of it is if they're not working, you could have yourself some some pretty big issues, uh, you know, when you've got people that are uh, up on, you know, 20 plus floors in the air and uh, they are absolutely uh, beholden to that vertical transportation to get up and down because of their situation uh then you've got to make sure that those things are operating all the time and that's that's not always an easy we had, well, and,
0: and yeah. definitely and definitely stressful when they go down because you've got kind of a limited time frame where it's like you know everyone gets out of this building at five o'clock so i better hustle my bacon up and get this done
1: you know we had them all once uh we did an expansion and there was one new elevator added uh it was Acme Elevator, which I've never seen one before or since. It sort of had a cartoon feel to it of uh, Acme Elevators. And it was covered by the, the uh, developer, the builder's warranty for the first three years, I believe. And we had a ton of problems with it. And it was down, and we had called for it. And I'd heard radio transmissions to a security about letting them into the elevator room, and I knew they were there working on it. And I didn't really pay much attention to it. About an hour later, I get a call, someone's trapped in the elevator. Just a one story, it only went from the first to the second floor. And so uh, I said, well, go down and see if they're still working on it or what happened. And they went down there, no one was there. So I called Acme Elevators, and uh, I said, "Uh, what happened? They said, well, we didn't have the part we needed, so we came back. I guess we forgot to put the elevator out of service and so someone got on it. (laughs) It it came up, you know, halfway through and so there's four individuals trapped in this elevator. I did not take that well. Uh, We went out there and we pried the doors open a little bit so we could actually see them and there was four women in there who were not happy that they were trapped but they weren't particularly concerned and they weren't and I said I've got good news. I said you're trapped, they're on their way back and you know they think they'll get you out quickly but for every 15 minutes you're in this elevator, starting now, I'm sliding in to each of you a $50 gift card. So <laughs> you've already made $50 a piece. In another 15 minutes, you make another 50 and another 50 and they're laughing. We actually pri- pri- pried it open far enough. You know, you can, you can wedge the doors open and that little plastic piece. We were forcing water through, so they had water. I, if they needed to go to the bathroom, we would have had another problem. But they all made $250 that day. And they got off laughing, and I called the elevator company, and I said, just, I don't know if this will uh, improve your response time or not, but you're losing $200 every 15 minutes because I am not eating this there for, for them to go through. But they got off happy campers.
0: That's awesome.
2: And just being able to react and respond like that, I mean, that's it's just masterful to, to be thinking like that on your feet. And and that's what really makes you know uh, the job kind of fun is to be that critical thinker and to, to to go after different ways to solve problems that may not be, you know, I mean, you could have easily said, Hey, the the group is on the way and and good luck. And they would have been, you know, not happy when they got off. But you took a the the ability of uh, you know the to your abilities, the things that you had at your disposal, and you said, here's how we're gonna do this. And I, I think about about that. And and gift cards are their manager's, you know, best friend too, uh, or the ability to offer things like um, you know, parking, when you got controlled parking scenarios, if you've got somebody who's not happy about something that's happened to them to, you know, to be able to offer them, you know, a free a free parking. And it's it's never free, of course, but it's you know something that takes it, you know, helps take that sting out of whatever it was that they were doing. Um, and and you can absolutely you can you can do things and they can walk away and, and be very happy about what has happened with them.
1: Yeah, uh, uh, this, we, we were having a meeting. Uh, we we'd purchased the mall. There were some issues at the mall shortly after we bought it, and there was uh, some public meetings that came about after we were meeting with the local. And so uh, they promised us that we were going to a friendly crowd, and so, uh, you know, we went and uh, the police were there, but the police got called away so they couldn't answer their questions. And so I'm just standing there with myself, my marketing director, my mall manager. And we're before a uh, a crowd that I wasn't really looking forward to being there without the police because the police were the main part of that discussion it was going to be. And as as they get this call and went out, I'm thinking, that's brilliant on their part. You know? Oh, yeah. yeah. Is call, this really yeah, a call? Yeah, call, oh, yeah, me yeah, at, yeah, yeah. <laughs> call me at 7.05 and get us out of there. So um, they had promised it to be a nice group, and so before we went up, the the, the president of the association stood up and said, by show of hands, how many people here won't shop this mall? And of the 70 people, about 30 of them raised their hands. And they had some misconceptions, but... uh, so I walked up and you said, thinking on your feet, and, and the quote that came in the paper was not one that I was particularly proud of, but the first thing I said when I, when I was there, I said, by show of hands, who, who said they wouldn't shop here? And those 30 people raised their hand again, and I said, okay, for those of you who have raised your hands, you get two questions. Everybody else, I'll answer as many questions as you want, but if, if you're not gonna shop there, <laughs> I don't wanna spend time with you, and everybody laughed, So, But the other funny part that came it is that there was a parking fee of $3. And it was there whether you were there 15 minutes or all day. $3. So it wasn't terribly expensive. It was very easy to manage the program because the fee was $3. And so they just started arguing. And this person was saying, parking ought to be free. We can't believe you charged $3. And she just kept going, 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 going. And finally, I reached in my pocket. And I grabbed $6. And I took it to her. And I said, ma'am, I'll pay for your next two shopping trips. Send me your receipts after you shopped, And I'll I'll probably pay for your parking going forward. And... It's, she stopped complaining, and everyone else laughed. And I got out. We got out alive that night, but uh, that easily could have gone wrong. But we had some free parking passes. And to your point, even the politicians that were there wanted those free parking passes. They were worth three dollars. It wasn't. It wasn't like it was a twenty-five dollar or one of those, you know, fifty-dollar parking things. But uh, it's funny what people perceive as value.
2: Well, we, you talk about parking, and parking is such a, a big part of the shopping center experience because. It is the first thing that it, it's your first experience when you get there, and it's the last thing that you think about after you leave. And, um, there are, there are a number of things, uh, that you have to consider when you're managing how this parking is going to go. So y- you've got, you know, a few hundred potentially merchants, uh, stores, businesses, and each one of those businesses has dozens or sometimes over a hundred employees that work for them. So you've got to figure out how to manage that cohort of people. And then you've got all of the, the I'll say the peak times where you've got all these people coming in. And so kind of the, the most, uh, The easiest way, I guess, that most uh, shopping centers deal with that is through paid parking programs. Well, I had a situation one time where um, I had a a, a property that had uh, two parking garages and a a couple of surface lots and all in there was probably 1200 parking spaces. Well, we had almost fifty merchants. And when we quantified it, we had almost twelve hundred people that were working at those locations. Now, it wasn't that they were all going to be there at the same time, but you had this, you know, potential crush of people, especially at peak times for the restaurants in particular, where you really had to to deal with uh, with a lot of people. And so, um we created this program that uh, was pretty uh, pretty proud of where, we basically put the decision on what you wanted to do, where you wanted to park back onto the employee. So we said, if you have to park in one of our parking lots on site, that's fine. It's going to be $200 a month. If you can park off site, a less than five minute walk away at this parking lot that we've rented for you, it'll be $5 a month. Mm-hmm. And if you can take public transportation, we're going to pay for a subsidy for your public transportation card. And What it did was it completely turned the tables on a problem and made it a really good functioning program. And you have to think about things like that when you're kind of at the long-term vision of what's going to work best for this property, because you can't just say, well, maybe the people will, the customers will just figure it out and the employees will park where they're supposed to. Sometimes you got to really incentivize them to do that. And and if you make it easy, then they'll follow. That's
1: awesome. Do you know how many people took advantage of the five? I mean, did it, did it solve the issue?
2: It was over 1,000. Wow. Yeah, we had over 1,000 people that were taking advantage of the $5. Uh, we had over 100 that took advantage of the public transportation subsidy, and there were maybe 50 that decided to park on site because they just they had to have that, that convenience. We've,
1: uh, I know we've built malls before where the city required us to subsidize um, uh, bus transportation for the employees, and we were, we were forced to buy X amount of passes, and a lot of times we couldn't use them all. We were forced to buy them. But you know the the, the people uh, were so in love with their cars they didn't want to. Yeah, I tell you, I'm cheap. I'd have, I'd have, I'd have gone the five dollar one a month. There there have
0: been no question about
1: that.
2: Yeah, but yeah, it's, it, everybody does because it's yeah, it's yeah, easy.
1: It's
0: such a such an awesome way to do it because I mean it just gives them. I mean it's such a landslide win for you for a short walk. I mean. I mean heck you go to my big mall with the big with the big uh, you know parking lots and you park at the end anyway it's going to be 5 minutes to get to your store regardless so why not just save yourself the cake and go over there yep. and 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 the tough part is like we've had malls where we rent an off site somewhere else like during holidays and we're, and we're talking we'll spend $250,000 on buses You know, transporting people during the holidays, you're going like, well, this is a partnership between us and the department stores and we're making everybody do it. But like just the bus routes and the, you know, and there was a couple programs where we would spend the $250,000 and we'd only get, you know, 12 person per major coach bus you know route and you're going why are we doing this they're all circumventing it and just parking in the mall anyway and you know as you as you kind of ramp up the other things then it suddenly dawns on them and they become more participants in the solution which is good Um, that's awesome that's that's totally good yeah but parking solutions you know kind of going back to the vertical transportation i'd been thinking about a story um where I, I had an elevator that somewhere, and I don't know how it happened, but it was a piston-driven, so it was, a, um, it was a, a shaft that went into the ground, and then as it, would, it would then hydraulically lift it out. So it was a hydraulic lift elevator, but the piston somehow had gotten a micro-bend in it, like, and it was like three-quarters of the way up. And so as it would go down, all of a sudden it would just blip on your way down. Like it would just drop a little bit. And so I called it our our mall thrill ride because on the way up or down you would hear you would stand out in the center court you know you had the fountain going and you had music and stuff but every once you hear oh oh and it would just come from the elevator cab and uh, and I, I remember we had a we had a, a certain elevator company of four names that you know four letters that uh, that had been servicing it and and I remember them ordered we're like we've got to get this fixed you know we got all these complaints we even i think uh there was a lady that i think had uh had had both knees replaced and then that blip happened and you know she had buckled her knees a little bit and so there was possibility of some other follow-up things that we were going to have to deal with and so we had gotten on this guys to get this thing done and they were like we will get it done in six weeks no problem they ordered it got it in They went to install it. They they hooked the cab up at the top. They pulled the piston and realized they had ordered the wrong shaft. And it was like, well, this one's already out, and that one can't go in. So now what? And so I remember I think they ate the biggest bill for a rush order on a piston that I could ever see because I think we paid our standard fee, and they had to – keep that one and ship it a new one and, and i think our our national ops at the time good guy named mike was like basically had him by the neck and was like i am you are going to get this here tomorrow or whenever the manufacturing kit was like, i think it was like two days and i'd never seen someone get a piston shaft that fast for an elevator for a thrill ride by I, I missed i missed the thrill ride
2: <laughs> these are not cheap no. parts either this is not like we're talking about a $1000 item or something like that these are tens of thousands of Yeah I mean dollars. I think
0: I think that elevator you know if I was put in the elevator new it would probably be like a $250,000 elevator. You know, it's a big multi-person cab. And, and it was only a one floor, but I think the piston itself was, I think if it was an $88,000 part, I think that's about what it was. And it was just unbelievable. I mean, I, just, I can't believe that you, like, you had one job to order a piston and you missed it. Like, it just was like, you do this for a living. <laughs>
1: I was working in the mall overnight one night, and uh, they were um, – it was holiday time, and we were installing decor at one end of the mall. And I got a break, and I uh, walked. I was just walking the mall, and you know, observing the cleaning crew. And I came around the corner, and one of the escalators, that curved piece of glass at the at the very bottom of the escalator, you know, where the the handrail goes through and comes around, was shattered. I mean, just a million pieces. We did not have CCTV then, so I called uh, housekeeping, and I said, "What happened?" They said, oh, "We don't know. We, you know, we hadn't seen this." So. And I thought, you know, those pieces don't just break. And I've been doing this for a long, long time. And you, I've, I've seen them broken before, and I know what breaks them, and it's usually a floor scrubber. But they claim they didn't have it. And what was a really problem here is it tore up 23 stairs. And for those of you who know escalators, Ooh. those cha- once that glass gets in there, one stair goes and, you know, it keeps going. And so uh, they came in, and they were replaced all the stairs and they got that they actually put a plywood piece in because they didn't have a piece of glass because
0: yeah, yeah, you know where that piece of glass comes from right uh, florida, florida. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: well uh they put it in and so i had the uh the regional manager for the um uh cleaning company there with me and i years and years ago i got this brilliant idea i went through and sprayed all the uh uh, the floor scrubbers or anything else they had on the floor were a fluorescent paint. So if they hit something, the mark was on there. Oh. And so, um, yes, they could repaint it, and, you know, yes, they could clean it off, but most of the time they didn't. So if, if a kiosk was damaged, I'd just go look for the fluorescent paint. So I did not bring up to them what I was going to check on this, but uh, they started the elevator back up, and uh, as I was watching the handrail come along, I see the fluorescent paint, and I said, "Guess who's paying for all of this?" And it was it was uh, you know, tens and tens of thousands. I, it might have gone over six figures, Ooh. and I said, "This one's on you," because the only there's only way one way that could have happened, and that came off the floor scrubber. So, that's yeah that, that was that was an expensive day for him. So that's a,
0: that's a brilliant <laughs> move to, to to do that with your floor scrubber. That's awesome. Yeah. that's fantastic.
1: Of course, now they've got them automated, and they guarantee they won't run into anything, and. Uh, when we were testing him, I kept jumping in front of him thinking I'd get a workers' comp claim, and
0: it always stopped, so I was really dis- a little disappointed. But. Well, Mickey, well, we, well, right before we wrap up here, tell us, uh, tell us one of your favorite. Uh, last time we asked uh, one of our guests, uh, tell us kind of one of their favorite customer service stories. I was wondering, with all your variety of uh, people, luxury and office and hotel, did you have one uh, a customer service story that was either really great or really terrible that you can recall?
2: I mean, I I think the the, maybe the good news is I don't really have uh, one that stands out more than others. But um, I I would say that for me, the 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 most memorable thing was was making somebody's day when it was likely to go sideways. And if you uh, if you could ever do something for somebody preemptively, uh, that was always the right way to do it. So I had a um, a parking garage, a private parking garage for two uh vehicles maybe it was three vehicles that were um below uh, a retail space and the retail space was uh getting built out and when when you build out a retail space a number of things happen if you're kind of redoing it for a national brand usually everything gets stripped all the way back so you take out all of the floor finishes all of the you know the cabinetry you, you strip down all the drywall and you you rebuild But another thing that happens is you start to put in cores or trenches into that concrete floor to run utilities around that location whether it's for power or for water or for whatever and so in this particular case i had this private parking garage that was below this uh this space uh this retail space and so the space itself uh needed to have some cores drilled to run electric uh you know electrical circuits around the space and um, the the contractor had gone in and they had done their cores and then they had put in plugs onto the cores um, so that they wouldn't have any issues when they were about to do the next step, which was to float the floor. So you have to float the floor to make it level if you've got certain uh, you know, dimensions and or tolerances that have to be met. Well, unfortunately, uh, the contractor had missed one of the plugs. And so when they came in to float the floor, they had run this concrete slurry all across the floor. And underneath it, so this is roughly 2012, 2013, there was a brand new BMW i8. And so this of course, was at the of course, time.
1: That's where that car would be, yes.
2: Of course, a very, very expensive car, a hundred and some odd thousand dollar car. And um, so the good news was that the person was out of town. The bad news was we didn't catch it for a couple of days until we had somebody finally go down, uh, was patrolling or something, and and saw that this vehicle had a lot of concrete slurry down the side of it. Well, we were able to fortunately do our research and preemptively then found somebody, a detailer that was able to take care of it. And while this, he was not an... He wasn't happy with the situation, clearly, because he had this brand-new vehicle. Was very thankful that we were able to take care of the issue without it. And so it's it's things like that, and it's always... the thing that I always would tell any young employee that would come in is, the answer is yes. Whatever it is that that person is looking for, whatever it is that you need to do, help to get to yes with that answer. No is never something that somebody wants to hear. If someone says that they want to lay in the middle of the street, you say, yes, let me put some cones around you to make sure that you don't get hit. I mean, it's not like that. But obviously there are are many things that you can do to get to yes, and that's what really helps make a customer the happiest.
0: That's a great story.
1: But it's things like that, like I said, that's what this whole podcast has been about it's it's the things that people just don't think about uh, you know the, the the situations you get yourself in and there may be some days where nothing new came up but there wasn't a week where something that you said never saw that coming you know or never had that before you, you awesome. said something a minute ago to where you make the best decision you can at the time and uh, there's a lot of times where i know i would never make that decision again it was it seemed like the right one at the time but in looking back it was like uh hmm, maybe i should have thought about this a little bit longer but sometimes you don't have the ability to take as long as you'd like to think about it
0: yeah well uh, mickey we've greatly enjoyed our time with you today and we're we're grateful that you're our third ever podcast it's been our podcast guest and uh just wonderful to hear uh, the mixed use stories and and how you kind of grew from from security into your to your role with it now and it's and it's just fantastic to see the growth and and just to connect with you now well, thank you guys so much all this right was fun. thank you mickey all right uh thank you for joining us for the for our show and uh we'll catch you next time